0: Good evening everyone, Uh, from my side also thank you for being here. It's great for me to be able to share tonight and uh, those of you who are visiting us, like Abraham already mentioned. My name's is Jonathan. Uh, thank you to the, the to team that led us in worship through music. I thought it was really powerful. And before I uh, go into the sermon this evening, I just want to respond to something that I feel in my heart. Um, out of what we've just done now, the songs that we sang, uh, singing this long, lost song, "The Stand." Um, I'm reminded, as a young man, how I sang that song so many times, and just standing here tonight worshiping God, I I was taken back to a moment in my life where I was just so uncertain. Uncertain am I making the right decisions? Uncertain am I making the right career choices? I'm uncertain about how my life would turn out and what God still wants to do. Being in moments similar to this, worshiping God, but knowing there's something in my life that I desire more, I don't know how it looks. And, like I've already mentioned, just feel to respond to what God is laying on my heart tonight. And I feel that there's some people here sitting and you're uncertain about what God has called you to. Maybe uncertain in in what you're studying at the moment. Maybe you've finished your degree and you're starting to work and you're uncertain is this what God has called you to do? Maybe you're uncertain in terms of relationships, who you're gonna marry, how your life's gonna work out. Just in a phase in your life where you Sing songs where you say, God, send me and I'll take a stand, but you don't know how it would look. Don't know how a provision would look in your life. If that's you, I just want to pray for you tonight. And there's a part of me that wanna say, It's okay. You don't have to have everything figured out. But I do believe God wants to tell you tonight, I'm with you. And that's enough. You might not know how tomorrow looks. You might not know how the next five years look. You might not know what God still going to do through your life. But know that God is with you. So if that's you, would you stand up? Not to embarrass you, but just a moment to say, God, I want to acknowledge that you're seeing me. Know where I am. Thank you, guys. If you're sitting near someone that's standing now, don't you want to stretch out your hand? And if you're standing, I believe this is not just a prayer for you. I believe this is God acknowledging that he knows what's happening in your heart. And he has your life in his hand. So would you stretch out your hand? Open your hands in front of you. This is an old song, such a powerful prayer. Lord, you give and take away, but my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Open hands in front of you. This is what we declare tonight. We don't know how it looks. We don't know what you're going to do. We don't know what you're going to give. We don't know what you're going to take. But my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are good, that you are faithful. You are a loving father and every person that's standing in this evening, you know them personally well. You created their inmost being and you've written down the days of their lives long before in the book of life. And Lord, you know exactly what you've called them to. You know exactly what lies ahead for them. And Lord, you've, if from your nature's, good things planned. But Lord, you also know us and know as people that we go through seasons of uncertainty and doubt. That the cares of this world glutters our hearts and our minds. Struggle to hear your voice, Lord. And I pray this moment in this venue that you would, by your grace, send your spirit. By your grace, would you come and touch their hearts now? Would you quiet down all the thoughts and all the uncertainties and all the things that, all the concerns, Lord, all the questions. and Would you just make them aware of your presence? May you bring your peace. And Lord, as they're standing in front of you, May you guide their steps. May you lead them, Lord. May they come to experience you as a a provider. May they experience you as a miracle worker. May they experience you as a father that gives to his children good gifts. But, Lord, in your timing and in your will, may your perfect will come over their lives. Lord, may you make them aware of your presence tonight. And we just speak by the authority of Jesus, a blessing over the desires of their hearts, the calling that you've placed to them, Lord. I pray now a blessing and protection over them that nothing of the enemy will come and steal that what you've planned for them. And when you move, God, that they will know it's you that's moving and that they will move in confidence knowing it's you pulling them forward. So Lord, may you open a way, even in those areas where it doesn't seem to be a way. And may they experience you going ahead of them preparing the way and the place that you've predestined for them. I thank you for their lives, Lord. I thank you for your perfect will. And we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come for the sake of your name in their lives. And just before you sit down, would you pray a personal prayer and say, God, I trust you. I choose to trust you. Amen. Amen. I tend to get carried away when it's Nation Sunday just because I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the privilege of being uh, involved in nations. Um, this morning, listening and looking at our, our Etrecht video, I got emotional just thinking of friends that's there, friend, what they're doing, and the amazing work that God is doing in Europe through a group of people that's chosen to be obedient. And sitting here tonight, I want to encourage you, maybe you heard something about Maputo. Wesley is sitting here. Go and speak to him afterwards. Maybe you heard something about Ettrecht. Ben, who we sent out earlier this year, is doing amazing work in Malawi. He baptized someone this weekend. He's already reached 10 people on campus that come to salvation. Uh, And I'm, I'm listening to all the stories of what's happening in the nations, and I'm looking towards you guys, and I say, don't miss out. You're in a phase of your life, which is an incredible privilege, And if you want to see God do something in your life, go on a mission. Decide tonight that you want to go on a mission next year to Utrecht. It's going to cost you 25,000 Rand. But you know what will happen in your heart? If you put your faith out and God provides 25,000 Rand for you to go on a mission, it will change your life. I remember a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of going on a a mission, and we were in France on a campus there. Changed my life. We tried to speak to people, and they're so far from God. You just mention the name God, and they walk away. Stirred something inside of me. I had the privilege of sharing the gospel there with one guy. After a week of mission on campus, there's one guy that came to salvation. What a great privilege it is. Gave me respect for what we have. Gave me appreciation for what we had. Go on a mission. Trust God. If you say, hey, Lord, I don't know if I've got faith for 25,000 rand," Go to Maputo. It's going to cost you 10,000 rand, but you're going to raise another 15 to bless the church. And I joke about it. But trust God to be involved in the nation's. And put your faith out tonight to say, Lord, next year, I'm going on a mission. Okay? That's not the sermon. I have to get back to what we're going to speak about. Okay. Um, so I want to share a story from uh, our family that happened sermon, the intro to what we, I believe we're going to speak about for the next couple of weeks as well. Um, so my oldest son's name is Nathan. Some of you know him. Some of you have seen him. Um, he lost his watch on Tuesday. Very traumatic. And you'll understand now in a moment why I say it's traumatic. Um, But typically, if you were to lose something now, what would be your response? What would you do? In a modern society where there's quick fixes and we don't want to suffer too long, the easiest thing would be for me as a dad to go, oh, let's just replace the watch. Let's just save a lot of tears. Let's save a lot of difficulty. and, And let's just replace the watch. In modern society, we don't want to go through difficulty. We don't want to see quick fixes. But in our case, replacing the watch was not that simple. See, there's a bit of context and history towards this watch that you need to understand to realize that this watch was much more valuable than just simply replacing it with a different one. Two, z- two years ago, uh, he was turning 10. And with his birthday, we asked him what did he want for his birthday. And he said, well, he wants a watch. Um, A very specific watch. He's into sports and he wants this uh, sports watch. Uh, So we planned on getting a sports watch for him. But obviously, we didn't plan on getting him a very grand one because he's 10 and he might lose it. or he might break it. So we had a plan of what watch we want to get for him um, as this is something that we felt is important. We wanted to give him a gift that he can use and what he wanted to have. But a couple of days before his birthday, uh, I was admitted into hospital. Some of you know this story. Uh, COVID, was unconscious in the hospital. And birthday was the last thing that was on my mind because I wasn't in my mind. But also on my wife, radar. It's just going through the storms of life, we didn't think about presents. It's a real situation where there's an uncertainty of whether I would live and make it. My wife forgot about presents. I don't think my son thought about a watch. Friends of ours in church knew what we were going through, and as part of spiritual family, they felt even though we're going through a really difficult situation as a family, they still wanted to do something for Nathan for his birthday. So they organized a drive-by party. Now, I don't know if it was big amongst the campus students, but... Two years ago, that was like the thing, drive-by parties. People, if it's your birthday, they would drive by your house and you would have cake there and they would maybe stop and you'd take a cake and whatever, and they'd drop presents. I think it was just an excuse to get presents. But they organized this drive-by party for, for my son, which was an absolute blessing for us. We were humbled to think that people would go out of their way in probably one of our most difficult situations just to... Bless my son. Someone else heard about it and they felt God placing it on their heart to buy Nathan a gift. They're not very involved in our family. Just felt God saying, You need to buy this boy a gift. So they phoned my wife and they asked, Well, what what gift do you want to give your son? What, What are you trusting for? What does he really need and want? And Lindry said, well, we were planning to buy this um, specific sports watch. We're just going to do it through take a lot at that stage. And, um, and they said, no, don't worry. We feel God has called us to, to grace him with the gift. And they go out and they buy a sports watch that is so much better than the one that we could ever afford. And they give him this gift, make this more significant, myself and Nathan share a birthday. So we, on the same day, have our birthday. The meaning of my name, I'm sharing a lot of personal detail here tonight. Um, The meaning of my name is gift of God. So here's this family wanting to bless my son out of obedience to God. And just to quickly stop you, if you ever feel God calling you to do something, do it. Even as, as simple as, go somewhere, buy something, do something, because you never know what God is busy with in someone else's life. Just do it. It might feel like a really small step of obedience, but you don't know what God is doing. And that's what this family did. They they went, they bought this watch for my son, absolutely blessed him, and on his birthday, this was the message that they gave him. This is a gift of God. As a 10-year-old boy, that was a moment where God spoke to him. And he experienced, that is God telling him, my dad will live. My gift from God, my dad will make it. That's the watch that he lost. And when I say he was devastated, I mean he was devastated. Because it wasn't just a watch. It was so much more. It was something that said to him, God sees you. God values you. You are important. The things that you think are important, God sees you. This watch is so much worth so much more than just a new watch because of the value that came with it. The value that Nathan added to the watch. Which brings us to the question for tonight. To what are you ascribing value to? Because all of us adds value to certain things in this world. Nathan added value to this watch. This watch meant so much more because of life circumstances and things that he went through and what he felt God was saying to you. So if you look at your life to what are you ascribing value to? Because all of us ascribe value to something. Another way of asking is what are the things that you give value to? What are the things that's really important to you? Tonight we're starting a a sermon series. It's called the Citywide Sermon Series. So if you don't know this, we're part of a bigger body, a citywide church. We're not just one congregation, a couple of congregations across the city. And for the next six weeks, all our congregations are preaching on the same theme that is called value. Because we believe God wants to speak into this theme for us as an every nation citywide church. Because value is important. What you ascribe value to is incredibly important. And Jesus regularly and on different occasions taught his disciples on what they should value. Jesus spoke about value quite a lot different ways, but he taught his disciples, and I believe God is still teaching us today what we should value. One of these occasions of where Jesus spoke about value, we find in Matthew 6, so if you have your Bible with you, I want to ask you to turn to Matthew 6, and really want to encourage you to be in your word, Go! Don't just read Bible on on your phone or digital uh, method, but be in the word of God. Matthew 6 this is uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus spoke to a large crowd that came to to listen to him, and it's part of a, a greater sermon that Jesus is sharing. We're going to look at these three verses of part of this bigger message that Jesus is sharing with them. But before we do this, let's uh, pray together. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the privilege of not just reading your word, but also to experience your spirit minister to us through your word. And Lord, as we humble ourselves tonight in front of your word and onto your word, Lord, I pray that you would come and that you would bring truth to our lives. I pray that you would, within your grace, speak to our hearts. Lord, the things that you want to bring to light, the things that you want to expose, Lord, we pray that you do it in a merciful and gracious way. But Lord, I pray also that you would help us respond to your word in a way that's honoring unto you. Lord, I pray for this clarity of mind, clear understanding of what you want to do tonight, Lord, and I pray that you would lead us in your truth. Just protect us against any form of deception. We thank you for this moment, Lord, and we pray, may you be honored and glorified through our time in your word. Amen. Amen. So let's read together. I'm going to read from the ESV translation, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Three powerful sentences. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. See, if we look at what Jesus is teaching, is his disciples, his followers in this moment, Jesus is saying, There's two treasures that you can pursue in this life. Two, not three or four. There's earthly treasures and there's heavenly treasures. There's not a third option. And essentially, what Jesus is saying, when pursuing earthly treasures or heavenly tre- treasures, there's two ways to living. Either you build a life where you're pursuing earthly treasures or you're building a life where you're pursuing heavenly treasures. So tonight we want to look at what what Jesus meant through this and how does it apply to our lives. Well, firstly, we need to understand, what is these two treasures? If we look at earthly treasures, those are the things that we ascribe worth to in this world. Those are the things that the world views as important and valuable. And some of these things are important and valuable. Some of the things that I'm going to mention now is not irrelevant, it is important and it is valuable, but we need to understand to what extent and for what purpose. Some of the things that the world views as important as earthly treasure is health. And I think you would agree your health is important earthly treasure some people would view looks as an earthly treasure the way that you look or relationships whatever that relationships might be success to build a name for yourself to build a portfolio to be to be something in this world it's earthly treasure important some people see money or wealth as earthly treasure comfort people are dedicating their lives to live comfortable lives. To have everything in place, to have everything they want, to not go through difficulty. Comfort can be an earthly treasure. Security. Having everything that you need and having the ability to control any outcome. Social status and popularity. Earthly treasure. To be accepted and affirmed, to feel important. And pleasure. Pleasure can be an earthly treasure. There's this message of just, you live only once, enjoy your life, it's all about you. Live for the moment. It's an earthly treasure. Being happy and enjoying life can be one of your main pursuits in this world. And these things are important. They are valuable. But again, to what extent and for what purpose? Because Jesus says there's heavenly treasures. And what makes heavenly treasures different than earthly treasures is these are the things that God views as valuable. We don't ascribe value to it. God ascribes value to it. This side the world ascribes value, and this side God ascribes value. And God has revealed Himself to us through His Word, and in His Word we see His nature, we see His character, and we see His will. And by looking at the Bible, we discover what is important for God. What are some of the earthly treasures that God has ascribed value to? And I'm not going to give an extensive list, but I'm going to mention some of the obvious ones that we read in the Bible. What is an earthly treasure? Oh, heavenly treasure. You should be shocked. You should pick me up on this (laughs) What is a heavenly treasure? What are some of the things that God values above other things? Well, firstly, God values his honor. And I know saying that might sound as if God is self-centered, that God is concerned about his own honor. Well, he is because there's no one like him. There is nothing and no one else like God. So if God were to go in any sense, And diminish himself, he would cease to be God. And his holiness and his worship and his honor is important to God. It should be important to us. Because there's no one like him. I'm preparing for for this message. I was just struck again at how familiar we've become in society just with the names Jesus and God. Become so familiar with it that it's been... Popular, to use it as curse words or creative expressions. But in eternity, there's a legion of angels that goes, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Holy means there is nothing and no one like Him. His holiness and His honor is important for Him. His kingdom is important for Him. Jesus came to this world to establish his kingdom. God wants to see his kingdom being established in our lives and through our lives. God wants nations to be reached by the good news of the gospel. It's important to God. It's an earthly treasure. Your soul is an earthly treasure. Your soul is something that God ascribes value to. What happens in your soul is important to God. In certain cases, I feel it's more important for God than for us. God is more concerned about our soul than we might be. Your eternal destiny is something that God values deeply. What happens to you after this life is important to God. Your personal holiness it's important to God. So much so that God in His sovereign will will sometimes allow certain things in your life in order to deal with certain things. God is more concerned with your holiness than your happiness. I know it's tough to hear this, but it's important. God wants to transform you back into the image of His Son. He's concerned about your holiness the way the purity by which you're living. God is constantly shaping us and using us. God is concerned about other people. God ascribes value to other people. The same value that God gives to your soul and your eternal destiny and your life, He places on other people and we should value other people. We should be concerned about their destiny. We should be concerned about their holiness. We should be concerned about their lives because God is. God values nations. So in moments when we dress up like this, it's not just because we want to be different, we have a, try to have a fun moment at church. We do this with a very specific purpose and we encourage people to dress up like a, a different culture, a different, different ethnicity to remind us that this world is not about us, that we're not the only ethnicity, we're not the only culture, but God has called us to every and all nations. And the way that God values you is the same way that he values other cultures as well. It's important to God. Your life is important to God. What you do with your wealth is important to God. What you do with your health, what you do with your family, what you do with your relationships, what you do with your talents is important for God. He's the one that gave it to you. Your way of living is important to you. He ascribes value to your life. Heavenly treasures. So if you look at your life, Are you ascribing value to the things that it's important to God or important to the world? If you objectively look at your life, are you ascribing value to the earthly treasures or value to heavenly treasures? Because Jesus goes on and he says to his followers, not just there's earthly treasures and there's heavenly treasures, Jesus says, this earthly treasures. It's very vulnerable, fragile, and temporary. Moth and rust can come and destroy it. It can be stolen. And I'm sure that you would know that all of the things that I've mentioned on this side of earthly treasures can change in a moment. It can be taken away in a moment. You can lose it in a moment. It is fragile. It's not lasting. It might be important, but it's not lasting. And some of it, we're really honest, is worthless. In eternity, you're not gonna be praised for the amount of Instagram followers you have. There's not gonna be a group of angels that's gonna come to you and says, hey mate, I wanna find out. How was it to have Instagram? Man, I wish we had it in heaven would have loved to post a selfie with Jesus. (laughs) Think about it. Think about the amount of time that people are spending on social media. Every like that you give and accumulate it means nothing in eternity. Every follower means nothing. There's not a place in heaven, oh, let's give a special section for the influencers. (laughs) This is heaven's influencers. Not the way that we think about influencers today. If you're an influencer and that's what God has called you to do, please do it. (laughs) But do it for his purpose. But in heaven... there's not going to be any praise for how much money you made. There's not a top 500 club in heaven. When we enter eternity, it's not going to go, okay, all of you poor people, this side, those of you who made it. <laughs> Having money in eternity means nothing. Your success in this world will fall infinitely short to the glory of God in heaven. And all the pleasures and security that we're pursuing in this world will mean nothing because we'll be in the presence of God. We will experience absolute pure joy and peace. Things will look different in eternity. Some of these things will be worthless but heavenly treasures. These things are lasting. They're not fragile. Nothing can take away the worth of these things. Nothing can come and steal it and take it away because in heaven, we'll stand in front of the Father and then we'll be able to hopefully stand with other people with us what you did in this life to help that person know Jesus will be recognized in heaven. And there will be souls next to our souls. And nothing will be able to take that away. Souls matter in heaven. Nations matter in heaven. People that's been discipled matter in heaven. What you did with your time will matter in heaven. What you did with your money will matter in heaven. Having money is not wrong, it's important. Having good health is not wrong, it's important. But what you did with it matters in heaven. The way you lived, if you glorified God, if you honored him in everything and everything you have will matter in heaven. Jesus shares the parable of the talents that's been given to different people and how they used it, some multiplied and some buried it away, what you do with that what God has entrusted you with matters in heaven. I hope there will be a moment where I stand in front of God and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful son. I hope that's a desire of your soul. To hear God speak over your life, well done, well done. You were faithful with what I've given you. Jesus warns his followers and he warns his disciples, and I believe he warns us. He says, "Do not lay up treasures in earth. Do not. But do lay up heaven, heavenly treasures." Now, this phrase "lay up" means. Um, Store up or to save. There's no deeper, significant meaning behind it. It's just a Greek phrase for save. Now, I don't know about you, but saving doesn't come naturally for me. I know some of you are students, you don't know what I'm talking about now. Saving is a foreign concept for you. Some of you are starting to work now, you're thinking about saving. But I've, I've been thinking and pondering on this, and I, and I can't remember a moment in my life since I've ever received a salary where I've come to the end of the month and I've gone, oh wow, I accidentally saved. <laughs> Wouldn't you know, after a year, I've got this money in a saving account? It's just amazing. It just happens. Saving doesn't just happen. I don't know, it doesn't happen in my life, doesn't happen in our family. Maybe you're graced with a special gift where you just naturally save. You don't hoard, I mean financially save. But saving in general requires great discipline and planning. You have to discipline yourself to stay within a certain budget. You have to discipline yourself not to buy everything that you want. You have to discipline yourself to to live within a certain means and you have to plan it. It doesn't just happen. Saving requires great intentionality. Don't think storing up heavenly treasures does not need great intentionality. It doesn't just happen. You don't accidentally live for God. You don't accidentally stumble onto heavenly treasures. It requires discipline and planning and intentionality. And Jesus warns us, don't intentionally plan and build a life around earthly treasures. But live with great intentionality for eternity. In a way, Jesus is saying, he's pleading, don't waste your life on things that don't have meaning. Don't intentionally give your life for something that would not mean anything in eternity. But Jesus says, be intentional, discipline yourself, and live purposefully towards the things that he values in eternity how intentionally are you living I have a concern for my own life and for the life of our church that we just go through the motions of this world That we go through a moment like this, and tomorrow we enter into that day, and we go through everything of tomorrow, and then we just go from day to day, from week to week, to month to month, to year to year, and before we know it, five years are gone. I'm asking the question for myself am I living with real intentionality every day? How intentionally are you living? Because a life that is intentionally seeking earthly treasures is ultimately a lifestyle that's all about you. But a life that is intentionally seeking heavenly treasures, that what God ascribes value to, is all about God. So having health, friendships, family, money is not bad. It's valuable and it's important if it's for God. Then it carries value in eternity. I'm thinking about where you are as a person. Some of you are are still studying and your whole life lies ahead of you. Don't wait till someday to start to value the things that God values. Don't wait until you have this amount in your bank account before you honor God through your finances. Don't wait until you have these certain relationships, and then you'll start to think about purity. Don't wait. Start now, intentionally, building a life that honors God. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. That's why Jesus warns them. That's why Jesus said, "Don't do this, but do this." Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. See that what you value will ultimately determine what you love. That what you ascribe value to will determine what you love in your life. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Choose carefully what you value. Be careful what you're living intentionally for, what you're giving value to. Because our choices and our actions are shaped by the things that we love and value. It's just a natural outflow. Your choices and your actions are shaped by that what you love and value. Neer said, we eat nations. I would phrase it, we eat the cuisines of nations. And when he said it, I immediately thought, I love Indian food. That's amazing. I love it enough that I'll make plans. I'll make certain decisions to eat it. Because I love it. I love pizza as well, unfortunately. So in our home, when my wife asks, what are we going to eat? I don't go, oh, I don't mind going to Woolworths and buy us some broccoli. (laughs) But if she would just hint that we can have homemade pizzas, I'll go, where do you want me to go? I have nothing to do. I'll go and buy it. (laughs) Because I love it our decisions and our actions are shaped by the things that we value and love. Always. Sacrifices you are making, the things that you're giving time to are the things that you love and that you value the most. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is your life will reflect that what you value the most. The way that you live will demonstrate what you love. If you look at your life, does Jesus have your heart? Because the way you live will reflect what you love. Which brings us to the ultimate question. Are the things you're living for worth Jesus dying for? If you look at your life now and you objectively look at what you're giving value to, are the things you are living for, intentionally giving your life to, worth Jesus dying for? And this question is not designed to guilt us into doing more. This Christian is designed to help us objectively look at our life and bring perspective to what we do. Because when Jesus humbled himself and became a man, when he died on the cross for our sins, when he, he suffered the penalty of sin, when he defeated the power of sin and death, when he defeated the enemy and the forces of darkness, and when he was raised from the dead, he didn't do this so that we may experience heaven on earth. The ultimate purpose behind Jesus' life and sacrifice on the cross was not so that we may have heaven on earth. Jesus didn't do it so that we can have easy lives. His purpose was so that we'll have heaven beyond earth. The ultimate sacrifice of Jesus was not intended so that you can have your best life now. And I know there's a gospel that's being preached that says that, but I don't see it in the Bible. I don't see it when I look at the lives of the disciples at the early church. I see them going through difficulty, but I see Jesus with them. I see the Spirit of God with them. I see the early church and the disciples doing way more than they would ever dream and imagine because of God. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. This world is inclined against God, against Jesus. So if we side and we value the things of God, we will face trouble and difficulty. But that should not discourage us. This life is not destined to be Destiny world. there's a second part of the scripture but take heart but take heart i have overcome the world you will have faced trouble you will face difficulty if you start to value the things of god but take heart i have overcome the world and jesus gave his life for something greater than our pleasure and comfort jesus gave it to break the power of the lie that you are because of what you Jesus came to break that lie. You are successful because of what you do. You are significant because of what you do. You are loved because of what you do. Jesus just breaks that lie on the cross. Jesus gave his life to declare that you are not defined by your successes, nor are you defined by your failures and your sins. Jesus gave his life to demonstrate your life has purpose, And value because of the price that he was willing to pay. Nothing can take that away. He ascribes value to your life on the cross. Your life is significant and important and you are defined by what he did, not what you are doing. Jesus gave his life so that we may experience mercy and forgiveness for our sins and our failures. And ultimately, Jesus gave his life so that we may experience power and the presence of his spirit and grace to live a life that honors him in all and every circumstances. Gave his life so that we may have his spirit and the grace to live a life that pursues heavenly treasures that glorifies him. Where your heart is, there's your treasure. During the next five weeks, we're going to continue to speak about values, the things that God has placed on us as a church and what we believe God has called us to live out, the things that we believe God says is important for us. And I want to encourage you to join us. But tonight, maybe pause and maybe reflect and ask the question, what are you giving value to? I started off this evening by sharing the story of my son's watch. Tuesday evening was really tough for him, really crying. And we, we, we sat down and we prayed and we said, well, let's pray and we're gonna ask God that we somehow get this watch. So Wednesday morning, it's probably the first time ever in the history of having my kids in school that they are ready on time to be at school. In fact, they're more than ready. We're there half an hour before school starts uh, my wife and our three, uh, three kids, and they are searching on the field, the rugby field, for his watch. Full of faith. Didn't get it. So, my wife started phoning around. <laughs> phoned the school office, phoned the teachers, phoned the rugby coaches, posted on the teach, uh, the parents' WhatsApp group. We, we're just asking everywhere. Have you seen this watch? Have you seen this watch? we we're really trying everything we can to get this watch back, but nothing. So Wednesday evening, I had to sit down with my wife, my, my son, and I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm a dad. There's moments where I go, "Let's put our faith out," but there's moments where I go, "But if it doesn't happen," <laughs> I know it's probably not the most faithful moment, but just my heart is dad, I want to protect him and. Wednesday evening was a moment like that. It's Just it's, trust God, but it doesn't happen. Let's maybe ask God, what do you need to learn? What do you what needs to happen from this moment? And as I'm sharing that, I'm going, just please, God, please, 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 please. There's a little bit more to the story, and um, unfortunately, due to time, I won't be able to share that. But on Thursday. Someone phoned my wife. We've already given up hope. And what happened? One of the cricket coaches picked up the watch, put it on his arm and forgot about it. <laughs> yep. But someone else phoned them. Their son lost his cricket shoes. So they're searching for cricket shoes. So he goes to the Snoopy Tunny. I don't know uh, what's that in English, like the catering uh, cafeteria lady. Um, He goes to her and he says, listen, there's not somebody that by chance brought in some cricket shoes. And she goes, no. But you don't by chance picked up a watch. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, I've got it. And she says, oh, I know there's somebody searching for a watch, but I can't remember who it was. But she received a voice note and she plays the voice note to him, and he's in our church, and he goes, I know that voice. And he phones my wife. My wife's in absolute tears. And you might not understand the significance for this as a parent. My, phone, my wife phones me, and she's crying, and I, I, I thought something was really bad. She says, we have it. what? What do we have? <laughs> so I can joke about it this morning. I couldn't because she was in the service. But, <laughs> but I'm emotional. I'm honestly I'm just overwhelmed that we got this thing back because of the value that it carries. It says, oh, this coach said, I must go there and fetch the watcher. Go to him. I go and fetch the watch and I'm, I'm sharing with him the story. I said, listen, Ethan, you need to know this is not just the watch. This is, what, this is the back story. I'm sharing, I'm crying. <laughs> I think he thinks, well, a weird family. Just give him the watch. <laughs> what a joyous moment when I gave that watch to my son. Because in that moment, Not was it just a promise of God, but it was a testimony of God's faithfulness as well. And God added value to that what was already valuable. And he will probably keep that watch for the rest of his life. Even when it stops working because it's a reminder, not just of the promise of God, but the nature of God. God added value to that what was already valuable. If you give your life to the things that God values, He will add value. You will experience so much more from God. You will experience so much more that He has in store for you. His plans and His desires are good for you, and He wants to use your life. And if you're willing to intentionally seek the treasures of heaven, God will honor every life that honors Him. You'll probably not get everything that you want, but you will get God. And you will see God adding value to the things that he's already deemed value. Imagine what God can do through your life if you're willing to do that. Imagine what God can still do if you go, God, I'm going to value and intentionally seek things that you value. Imagine what God's going to do on campus. Do you in your heart believe that God can change a campus, that God can change a city, that God can change a nation? Because I think if we allow God to, He will use us. God will use you. If we're willing not just to sing the songs, send me, but to live the life that says, God, I'll value what you value. May you dream about what God wants to do in and through your life. And may we see how God uses this church for his kingdom. Let's pray. And before I just end off in prayer, I want to give you a moment just to personally reflect. are the things you're living for worth Jesus dying for? Maybe from that question, just speak to God. Just be honest towards God. What are you living for? What are you giving your life for? What are the things you're trusting Him for? as we seek you this evening and we reflect of our lives, Lord, I pray that you would come and reveal all the areas where we're living for ourselves. All the areas where we're intentionally building up, storing up, saving treasures on earth that will mean nothing in view of eternity. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us to a place of repentance. We will not just recognize these things, but turn away from them and turn towards you, Lord. And I I pray that you would empower us and grace us with your spirit and help us to use every good gift that you've bestowed into our lives, every opportunity, every relationship, every just moment, Lord, in such a way that it will glorify you, that it will store up treasures in heaven. Because again, Lord, we want to acknowledge it's not about us, it's about you. And Lord, as we do this, may you come and ascribe more value to our lives and what we do. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for that, what you've already done. Thank you for the value that you've already bestowed on us, Lord. And may we never become familiar with that, Lord. May we never take that for granted, Lord. But we ask also, Lord. May you help us to live from that value and from that place in such a way that it honors you. And Lord, as we do this, may more people come to know you. May you do more than what we can imagine, Lord. And may we see your kingdom come in our lives. Lord, it is our greatest privilege to know you and to follow you, Lord. And we pray, may you be glorified in and through our lives. We pray this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen.